Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and uh, our good friend to my left right here, uh, Jason Cameron coming in. Uh, off a great weekend, we get to talk about the UFC and a few other little odds and ends uh, on this weekend. It, this is the dog days of summer, so not yeah. a ton of sports to always uh, talk about, but a uh, great UFC card that was in Long Island, New York. Uh, early card for some strange reason. I think that messed up a lot of, of the fighters and a lot of people watching it, but um, yeah, it ended up being a great card, and I I can't wait to break it down with you, buddy. Uh, how was your weekend? Weekend was great. Thank you for asking. Uh, it was uh, one of my very, very close best friends' uh, birthday. Mm. So uh, we, we, we had ourselves a good time. We had mm. ourselves a very good time. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so Saturday saw his folks are in town. So saw him and the folks and his older sister. We had lunch. And then we met up with uh, more, more of his and my friends. Uh, later on that evening and then we had a great dinner and drinks at uh, Mahoney and Sons on oh, it's great oh, like down down in the oh in Falls Creek did you say Falls Creek yeah oh Falls. nice oh that's a great spot yeah I like it there yeah no it was it was good and yeah we had a good time yeah <laughs> good Sunday was a little rough I'm not Fine. gonna lie a little rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I, uh, I had a really good weekend. Um, Larray's, uh, family all had to get together. There was, uh, some birthdays, um, around this time. So, uh, her extended family all came together, man. She's got a great family. They, they get together. Everybody's laughing tons, tons of great food. It's just, uh, really, really fun to be around. Uh, I don't have a huge extended family around the Lower mainland here, so it's always nice to um, get together with uh, all her people. And uh, man, they gave me a nice, huge uh, plate to take for uh, lunch today. I had ribs and salad and cake, and oh man, it was pretty sweet. Uh, one of my one of the highlights of my day today. Yeah, it seems that you've learned from the master, me, about how to get that extra food. Does feel good, doesn't it? Yeah, it feels really good. They wanted me to just keep eating it and eating it and eating. I'm like, I'm done. I've had enough ribs. I've had enough everything. Could I have a doggy bag? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess we can make something like that up. And holy cow, it just came in a nice, huge package. And man, it was it was sweet today. And um, But yeah, we had a really good weekend. Uh, we, we got to go to see some comedy again. Um, we've... As I said, we got, I think we paid the first time and then we've just been getting free tickets and free tickets and free tickets and we won some more. So uh, we, we won again and and the guy we saw, man, funniest comedian we've seen since we've been going. Um, he's been doing stand-up 20 years or so and he's been, you know, he's friends with all the comedians really that you've ever heard of that have made it over the past 20 years. Uh, but he has been sort of in the shadows a little bit until recently he uh, became one of the actors on the show Cobra Kai. Uh, oh. You know that one, uh, the yes, remake of uh, Karate Kid. Yes, that's yes. awesome. That's fantastic. So I guess he plays um, I guess he plays Ralph Macchio's uncle and he's uh, I think he's a kind of a used car salesman. I don't know if he's kind of a, swarmy guy i think 
he's he's an Italian from Jersey, so he's got this, you know, great delivery, <laughs> great way of talking. You know, all those guys from that area of the world are pretty. Uh, you know, they look great. They got the chain and they they got that <laughs> movement. You know, uh, he he was hilarious. Oh man, we were really lucky because. Uh, for some reason, the host and the opening acts, uh, usually they have a host and, and two acts before the main headliner. They didn't even show. So he got to play the whole, he got to do the stand-up performance the whole entire time. And wow. it was it was awesome, awesome, awesome. The guy is hilarious. Okay, so you know what? Then you were treated to the super pro just doing this whole routine. And that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Brett Ernst is his name. Uh, check him out, uh, any viewers and listeners. Uh, yeah, great guy. Loved it. Uh, I approached him. I kind of approached him after the show, and I was thinking, like, I'd really like to, like, hang out with him somehow, you know? Like, let's go for a drink. Let's go, you know, hang out. But he doesn't drink. He doesn't doesn't do anything like that so i'm like okay what can i do what could i ask him to do like go get some food uh, i guess <laughs> i was like um maybe i could say hey let's go to the casino and then i'm just like nah i don't know i just i just couldn't couldn't ask him so we never hung out but um i don't know what would you do when uh, somebody doesn't drink it's kind of hard to you know say hey i'll buy you a drink let's go and you know hang out a little bit what what, what would you have uh, sort of put out there I guess nothing else, because that's all I know how to do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna throw it in the towel immediately. It's just like, ah, well, <laughs> but hey, well, you don't do what I do, so I guess we're good. <laughs> um, I guess, okay, so let me think here. Maybe, oh uh, no, I would say go for a hike, but I'm afraid of nature. Like I, I know that things in nature will try to kill me. You know, I'm delicious, yeah. delicious. So. <laughs> Oh man, this is getting really hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it was the other thing was we we saw the early show, so he had another performance. So I would have had to go and come back, and I don't know, man. But uh, you know, I, I kind of feel for these comedians sometimes because it was the first time ever in Vancouver. He was yeah. there. I did, I did a show Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I guess, and then he was gonna head to some other city after that but you know you're by yourself uh you know hanging out you don't know anybody in the city and yeah i kind of thought yeah we'd love, it would be great to hang out but do something but uh my mind was drawing a blank on what to do so yeah just let him go uh but hopefully i'll get him on a podcast one day uh you know i'm gonna reach out and tell him how great i thought his performance was and how fun it was and uh yeah maybe maybe we get a chance to talk to him in this kind of way that would probably work that yeah. we get, we get them on this uh, platform and stuff. Yeah. And then once you get them on this platform, then you can ask, so what do you like to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now he says, it's like, no, I just write comedy and read. And it's like, Oh, okay. Then you want to be part of my book reading club. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He, uh, he said he came from Calgary and he goes, oh my God, what a horrible town that is, man. That, that's just a butthole there. He was like, it reminded me of like Alabama or some brutal <laughs> state we got down, down South. He's like, what the hell's going on there? 
that is just just one lousy city saying it and then and then these guys were chirping him a little bit from the one table on the side and he just oh okay these are guys from calgary i can tell <laughs> even was tell even was saying the hey calgary on their way out uh in the front lobby there he was calling them calgarians and stuff and that was pretty funny he did not uh, seem to like Calgary at all. No, he didn't like to seem like Calgary. Maybe he's not a Flames fan, which would make a lot of sense. I, no. I don't know too many people that are. <laughs> and like the last time I heard of a Flames fan was, who was playing? I think it was Lanny McDonald. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. I think he just didn't like the cowboy boots and cowboy hats and all that kind of stuff. And uh, like the, the Calgary Stampede's going on right now. So uh, I think right. everybody's decked out in there country gear and i think it shocked them i i don't think he had any idea that it was gonna be everybody dressed uh, like the farmers and country folk no he probably had no idea he, hey he probably doesn't really understand like the composition of canada at all he just goes no. where agent where am i going he's like canada where's that again oh it's <laughs> above us okay okay cool let's go yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're probably very right yeah yeah, well, the weekend was great, but the week was kind of lousy. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, do you remember when we had that conversation about me wanting to go in the backyard and get some sun, and there was a bunch of landmines left by the dog there that I actually had to pick up, and it was just broken, you know, every rule in my book. Well, for a couple of days this past week, I had to uh, look after the animals, uh, and my God, what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know why people have animals, man. Holy cow. The the dog and the cat are puking like crazy all the time. All the time. Like this cat, I think, pukes like twice a day. Every day the dog's hacking and puking. Uh, always, always finding pee and poo everywhere. It's just like, holy cow. The, the, the cat at least has a litter box, but it, it, it gets really stinky real quick, so you got to change that crap. And then, and then the dog is just, he, he, he has no way of telling you, really, you know, Hey man, it's time. And so he goes up to the door, but if you, if you just don't notice it for a second, bam, there it is. So I paid a, I paid a kid next door neighbor kid to walk him around the block a bunch. And uh, the kid was not too happy, but I, you know, I, I gave him a bit of money because I was just, I'm not doing this. I got to, figure out a better plan so but it was horrible man i do not recommend having to be around animals i don't know why they just everything's coming out one end or the other at all times through the day. it's just brutal it's brutal yeah yeah they can be pretty brutal uh that's why i don't have them i don't have a pet because i remember like i remember when i was a kid I, I i had a cat and i remember you let that kitty litter go on for too long man you're gonna pay for it you are going to see some stuff. You're going to see things crawling in it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, you got to clean it. You got you to clean it right away. Right away. Oh, man. So brutal. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't believe, you know, some people like people like it. I, I don't get it. It's just still not not figuring it out. Can't can't understand it at all. Just yeah. unreal. Unreal. And then cats just look costly. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, man, here we go again. Yeah, well, you know what? For cats, that's always the hairballs that they have because they always clean in their coat. 
apparently there's something that uh, you can give the cat to lessen that. Yeah. So that might be something you might want to look into. Yeah. So that you always aren't clean up hairballs all the time, which are pretty gross, by the way. Yeah, really brutal. Um, right now, currently on sports, uh, as I said, dog days of summer, not, you know, no NFL going on, obviously, no NBA, summer league's done. I'm right now currently watching the uh, home run derby at the All-Star game. It's in, it's in uh, Chavez Ravine down in L.A., for the Dodgers home field. Um Julio Rodriguez, you got to see him live uh, last weekend there with the Mariners and Jays. He's winning right now. He uh, kicked butt in the first round. He got 32 home runs in the first swing off, 31 home runs in the second swing off. Just beat Pete Alonso on to, uh, it looks like he's in the final now against Juan Soto. And Juan Soto just turned down a 400 and $40 million contract from Washington. So now they're looking to trade him. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some takers, but uh, man, can you believe somebody would turn down $440 million? I can, because if, if, if one Soto's thinking like I am, he's thinking this. It's a little light, to be honest. And also, too, I got kids to feed. What are you doing? What are you doing? How disrespectful can you be? 440? <laughs> are you kidding me right now? I'm out. I'm out. Give me out of here. Give me out of here. Man. Done. Yeah, he, he must have a lot of kids. Holy cow. The guy <laughs> must have a lot of children. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, they must have been stunned. I, I think everybody must have been stunned when they threw that offer down on the table and he's just sweeps it away. No, no, thanks. That's not yeah. enough. <laughs> I, I, it's impressive, actually. It's impressive because now what he's doing is like, oh, no, no, no. Unfortunately for you, that's not my market. Now, other players be like, oh, wait, you can turn that down? Ooh, didn't no. think of that. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Amazing. Uh, yeah. Speaking of contracts, um, the Phoenix Suns decided to match the offer that the Indiana Pacers gave DeAndre Ayton. And uh, he is uh, back with the Suns. Uh, I had kind of reported that he was going to Indiana and it was a done deal. And they threw that money down on the table. It was a $133 million contract and uh, for three years, I guess. And uh, he, they said, no, we're matching it. Don't know why they didn't offer him less. Like, Cause I think they would have got him for less, but um, they didn't want him to walk for nothing. And uh, so he's back with, Phoenix can't be traded, uh, can't be traded immediately to Indiana. There's a lot of restrictions now. He has veto power on trades and stuff. So it looks like they're probably going to go into the season with him and uh, the team intact. Uh, pretty surprising. Yeah, very surprising turn of events. Because uh, apparently Phoenix matched that offer literally within minutes yeah. of when, when they got it. So they, like it was immediate. Maybe they were they did it just to see what his market value was. Mm. And then when they found out, it's like, oh, I guess it is what it is then. Mm. And also too, like he he does fit within their scheme, their offense and their defense. He's a very big piece to their success. So I thought it was a very smart move on their part to match him and pay him what he's worth. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was, uh, I, you know, I'm glad they did it, but uh, I was quite surprised, um, yeah, that, uh, you know, they weren't being able, they weren't able to come to an agreement before um, and, that, you know, seemed like um, that was more money than they probably could have got him to sign for if they would have just negotiated with him. But um, yeah, interesting uh, way of going about it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, they'll go in as one of the favorites uh, going in next year, uh, you know, because. Uh, they have been really great since he's got there. Yes, he has. They have. They, they, he's been great. You know, obviously, when Chris Paul got to the Phoenix Suns, that's when they really, really turned the corner. And I don't know. Like, I, I've just always thought that they just maybe need to manage some pieces here and there for them to finally get over the hump or to make sure that, like, both of their guards are healthy when they're in the in the playoffs because Chris Paul, unfortunately, a lot of wear on that tire, man. So. It, it's hard for him to stand up as the season goes on with his body. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. They're definitely going to have to give him some rest this year, um, you know, yep. sort of do that uh, load management like they did with Kawhi Leonard and um, yep. yeah, bring it, you know, utilize uh, backups and give him a lot less minutes so he can get it a lot more fresh as they get towards the playoffs. Yeah, I think that they're definitely going to have to do something of that nature so that he's fresh for the playoffs because that's where they're going to need him. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, kind of great that I have you on uh, to talk about this UFC because uh, you have some expertise in what happened to the uh, one of the combatants in the main event. Uh, you're just recovering from bad shoulder separation. A serious shoulder injury. Uh, we we saw the main event with Yair Ir Rodriguez and Brian Ortega, and um, Rodriguez looked great. Uh, seemed to be uh, taking this taking the, the first round early, and uh, all of a sudden, bam! Uh, Ortega separates his shoulder, could not continue. Um, yeah, in a in a bit of a controversial fashion, uh, you know, it ends. Uh, this was the contender fight for the next uh, person to, to fight for the belt. And it looks like Rodriguez uh, will get a chance here. But um, tell me about, uh, you know, how long this recovery is going to be, how hard it's going to be. Uh, you know, Ortega is uh, going to be on the shelf for quite a while uh, having this uh, severe separation. Yeah, like I, anyways, I, I think it could be anywhere, but depending upon how severe the separation is and how bad it is, anywhere between four to six months, wow. let's be honest. And also, too, since he's already had surgery and troubles with that shoulder from before, it could be even longer because now he needs to make sure that the muscles in the shoulder itself is stable enough and strong enough that he can go back to, into his career and take abuse again. Like, yeah. so he's going to have to very much be aware of that and not rush himself back into the octagon because if he does that, he may be even out longer than he yeah. is now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I saw him briefly tap. I don't think uh, many people did, but I saw him briefly tap with his other arm, uh, you know, as it was caught in the arm bar before he pulled it out. Uh, it looked like just as he was pulling it out, uh, yeah, year was uh, letting it go, and uh, but it was a little too late. Popped, popped it right out of place. Um, he had a torn labrum that he had to have the surgery on. He's um, had surgery on his other shoulder too. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be some serious rehab, and 
and you don't want to, um, you know, continue to damage it. You, you continue to get more injuries. So they're going to have to probably wait an extra amount of time. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. guys like me and you, you know, maybe we, we get back four to six months, but somebody yeah, that's, yeah. you know, utilizing that shoulder for everything they do, uh, it, you know, it could be a little longer, even though they're in, you know, tip top world-class shape. Uh, I'd be a little concerned if I was in his camp, sending him back out there with uh, the shoulder, you know, problems he's already had. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's a concern. So with that being said, he, he can, like I said, he cannot rush himself back and it, it's, it will take as long as it takes now four to six months or anywhere from maybe even six to nine months, but whatever time that is, that's the time that he definitely has to spend away just to let it rest, let it heal, and then to strengthen it. Because you, you just don't want to rush that kind of thing. Because if he does, then the next time that he injures that, he could be out a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, now with Yair, um, you know, he was told he gets a, a, a title shot against Alexander Volkanovsky. But Volkanovsky broke his thumb in the second round of his fight against Holloway. Had to have surgery on it. Uh, he's out um, eight, about eight weeks, something like that. Um, so there's talk about Yair maybe fights Josh Emmett uh, for an interim belt in the meantime. He didn't sound uh, that jazzed about that, that thrilled about it. Uh, maybe he just waits till Volkanovski's, um, you know, back back healthy, and then uh, then he gets his title shot finally. Well, I, I can understand where you're uh, coming from because he's like, that's just it's too much risk. And plus, I've earned my spot. I promised it. I earned it. I did it. So mm -hmm. I'll wait. Like, I, I think that's a smart move for him. I would wait, too. Yeah. <clears throat> I um, I saw an interview with Volkanovsky um, on the MMA Hour with Ariel Hawani, and Volkanovsky was saying that um, he had a good performance in, in that fight against Holloway, but he was shocked at USADA uh, coming to his hotel room the night before the fight, waking him up at uh, something like two in the morning, uh, asking him to pee in a cup and give him a sample. He couldn't go back to sleep, so he took some melatonin. Uh, it ended up knocking him out, and he woke up, but he said, and I woke up, I was so groggy, it was brutal. I, I just felt so lethargic and tired and, and just could not uh, shake, you know, shake it out. Uh, I just, just felt horrible. And he said, uh, why would they do this the night before the fight? Uh, did they do that to Holloway too? He said, I don't, I don't think so. I haven't heard that. Uh, so, you know, that was shocking news to hear that USADA would, would do that to a guy and, and not enable him to even have a, a restful sleep the night before the fight. That is troubling because like, this is these, this, like I understand that testing is important. It's paramount to the sport, but this is also their career and there should be some respect from both sides there. Like if the guy's getting ready for a major championship fight, he should be allowed to sleep. Let's be honest, man. He should be allowed to sleep. I don't know if Dana White has to talk to somebody about that, but let that can't happen again. That's no. utterly ridiculous. Like, yeah, no, actually, yeah. not, not even championship fight. No fighter should actually have to go through that bullshit before they have the fight. They yeah. should not be tested before the night of a fight. Give me a break. 
That was brutal. Yeah. I was shocked to hear that. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, good, good for him to get the victory, but um, yeah, he, he was obviously a little compromised and not going in, in, in full shape, uh, you know, having, having something like that happen and not being able to get to sleep. So you, you take something to, to help you sleep, but then boom, it just really, he said, I drank a bunch of coffee. I kept getting guys to slap me. I was just, I just did not feel myself uh, the whole entire day right into the evening. So, yeah, wow. that, that, that better not happen again. And hopefully the UFC can, you know, make sure that uh, there's at least, a, a, you know, a proper window where yes. they test them earlier Absolutely. in the day or, you know, right after the fight or something like that. But, you know, to come, you know, basically in the middle of the night and wake a guy up and, and try to <laughs> give him, get a sample, that's just so sick, so brutal. No. Yeah, it's 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 just ridiculous. Like I I would I would imagine, I don't know how the contracts are written up, but come on, man, you a fighter should be allowed to get their proper rest before they go to war the next day. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Uh, this card was uh, at uh, long in Long Island, New York, uh, at the new uh, UBS Arena. A uh, beautiful facility from all uh, all accounts. Uh, the Islanders uh, were trying for so many years to get a new facility. They were uh, in this old barn, and then they went to Brooklyn and tried to play games and uh, went back and forth. And then finally, this arena gets built. Uh, it's the first time uh, MMA has been able to get into this new arena, and I heard incredible things about it. Uh, great, great, great crowd. Really felt the energy there. And the other aspect of it was on ABC uh, which, you know, is a very prime network in the U.S. And, you know, lots and lots of eyeballs on this uh, early card. So, you know, a lot. Uh, it was, it's one of the most widely watched uh, UFC events in the history of the sport. And uh, I, I actually really kind of love the gold jackets that they brought out. Um, gold jackets used to be worn on the commentators, uh, you know, by the commentators for boxing back when I was a kid. And, um, you know, kind of cool that they thought of it, brought it out, um, you know, as a reminiscent, re reminiscing uh, from, you know, boxing back when uh, it was Muhammad Ali days and, you know, uh, all the uh, legends of the sport. Uh, what do you think of the gold jackets? Did you like them? Uh, well, it caught me off guard for a second because I'm like, what gold jackets? And then I had to think about it for a sec, right? And I'm like, oh, they're paying a little homage. Yeah. To like you know the broadcasters of the past and the boxing, and you know those yeah. guys from uh, yeah way back. Yeah, no, I, I I loved it. I thought that was pretty cool. It did take like what I like I said, it took me a while to remember that that's what that was all about because I'm like gold jackets and I'm like where did I see that before? I'm like oh right, I know. I thought it was great, and yeah. I hope that they do that again. I think yeah. it's a nice touch. ABC's Wild World of Sports was so huge when I was a kid and. And, uh, you know, I got to watch boxing so much. Uh, you know, I grew up such a big, huge boxing fan. And that's that's where you saw the fights and that's what they wore. And, um, yeah, it was it was neat. I didn't hear previously that uh, it was going to happen. And all of a sudden, I, I saw them wearing the gold jackets. And I was like, holy cow, uh, on ABC. And uh, with, with that, uh, who somebody, somebody was really thinking. And uh, I was really impressed with what they did. Uh, this was a great card. Uh, lots of lots of good fights. I complained uh, about the co-main event uh, going in as we did our preview last week. 
I didn't think um, Michelle Watterson Gomez and Amanda Lemos uh, deserved that spot. Uh, Watterson actually uh, impressed in that first round. I thought she won that first round, uh, but then um, obviously made a mistake, got caught in a guillotine, and, and Lemos, uh, who's a tough, tough, tough woman, moving up the ranks for sure. Uh, big victory there um, in that co-main event. Big victory. Uh, Watterson was very impressive in that first round, was able to keep the distance and fight where she felt comfortable. Uh, Lamos was slowly trying to close that distance. And then in the second round, where Watterson tried to go for the shot to take her down, Lamos defended it, threw her off balance for a brief second, saw her opportunity, went for the jumping guillotine and sunk it in. Like it was actually super impressive because of how quickly she did it, how yeah. quick that transition was. Locked it in, locked up her legs so that she couldn't move. That uh, she she was done, and it was a fantastic victory by Lemos. Fantastic. A little bit tough when uh, the referee doesn't see the tap. Um, luckily, nothing serious happened, but uh, he was just in the wrong position. Didn't no. see the tap. Uh, even the commentators, uh, nobody seemed to see the tap. Uh, she just tapped with both her hands. Um, but the one is underneath the, both their bodies. The second one was on the top while he was on the one side of, the, of them, didn't see it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that, that kind of thing scares me a little bit when, uh, you know, somebody's tapping their, you know, they don't want to be uh, choked unconscious. Uh, luckily, Lemos let her go, and, um, you know, everything was fine in the end. Yeah, and also, too, that's Lemos being a, a great uh, competitor. Uh, just actually the same as Rodriguez too. Great competitor. Let it go immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I know it's tough. I know it's tough for the referees, especially with their positioning when they're looking at these fights. But at the end of the day, they always have to try to be aware to put themselves in a position where they can see these taps or else yeah. serious injury can happen. Yeah, that was uh, Kevin McDonald uh, was the ref there. Uh, we don't see him in the UFC very often. He does a ton of the Bellator, PFL, uh, other regional um, fights. Um, he he was on, I think he was a ref on two or three of the fights on this card. Don't see him a lot. I think he's got a lot of experience, but uh, yeah, just in the wrong wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but uh, Amanda Lemos, um, yeah, I think... Uh, you know, look out, uh, this woman's strawweight division. Uh, you know, I think she's, uh, going to be a force to be reckoned with. She looks, uh, in, in such great shape and, uh, yeah, she's, she's good, you know, on, on her feet as well as, uh, in the submission game, uh, you know, look out. Um, I think, uh, yeah, the sky's the limit for her. Yeah, no, she's going to be going up those ranks pretty quickly. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see who they're going to set her up with next. It's got to be obviously somebody obviously in the top 10, but probably I would say somewhere possibly between seven and five. I think that's probably your next, next fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about the uh, welterweight fight that uh, just preceded that. Uh, the leech Li Jing Liang against Muslim Salikov. Um, Salikov is an absolute legend. Uh, kickboxing. I think he has he had 185 kickboxing fights in his career. Uh, and Lee uh, mentioned it in his post-fight interview that uh, this guy is an absolute legend in China, an absolute legend around the world. Uh, he was just touched that uh, he would actually get a shot at this guy. 
And uh, that, that was a, uh, an amazing fight. I was really impressed with the leech and getting the big victory there. I was, I was, I was super impressed because Salikov is a master in the standup. Like, yeah. he is. He's just a master in the standup. And especially, like, I think I want to say it was the first round where Salikov basically just missed him with a spinning, spinning kick. Like, yeah. just missed him. Yeah. Where I'm like, be connects with that. That dude goes out seriously out but at the same time i was very impressed with lee and his he was just patient he was patient and he pressured him but not so much that he always put himself in danger but just enough that you know salikov always had to be aware of him always had to be aware and then finally in the second when he he hit him with that huge right and then he just and then he hit him again and then it was over i i was i was impressed by that i was impressed by that when he dropped him and then Finished him with ground and pound, but like, yeah, man, impressive. Yeah. I kind of felt like it might have been an early stoppage. Uh, what was your thought? Uh, I I thought it was all right. I thought it was all right just because of the fact that he was would have been taking more punishment. I, I I don't think he was going to be able to recover from what from those shots that he already took. Like, I I just didn't think that was going to be a thing. He was just going to get beat up more. Yeah. Um, he has uh, now the second most knockouts in welterweight history, uh, just behind Matt Brown, and the third most finishes. Brown's at the top again in that category too. But um, yeah, that massive right that just wobbled him, and then uh, you know took got a got a shot just as he was going down. But I, I kind of felt like it was a little bit earlier. I would have really <laughs> preferred to see. Uh, him given a little more of a chance, but he probably, uh, yeah, would have taken a, a bit more abuse. But um, I, I, this guy's, you know, been in a, a lot of wars, and uh, I, I think I, I would have loved to see him get a get a shot to come back. I, I, I you know, watch it. Give me some comments, uh, uh, you know, on this video. Um, I, I think it was just a little early for for my liking. If I would have been in there, I would have I would have let him get a. If you get an opportunity to try to take him down or, or get back up anyway. I, and I, I understand that. So what you were saying is you would have preferred the referee to have refereed it like the, the fight previous to that fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because exactly. that fight, that amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. This was the, the fight between uh, Matt Schnell and, uh, Mudaraj, uh, Sue Mudaraj, uh, man, one of my, one of the, one of my favorite fights ever seen. I really did yeah. that, that, uh, I really thought, um, that second round was just a classic epic, epic fight, uh, epic round. And, uh, yeah, just fight round of the year. And, and possibly one of my favorite rounds that I've ever seen. Cause, uh, Schnell was in a ton of trouble. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, Jacob Montalvo gave him every opportunity to come back and he did. And he yeah, got the big, uh, big victory. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was massive victory by Schnell. He definitely exercised his will in that fight because Sumo Darji in the second, I think hurt him at least four to five times wobbled him. Yeah. And Schnell was just like, ah, just keep coming forward. Like even at one point in time, Cormier is like, why is he? You should wrap him up. I, I don't get what he's doing. He just, he's still fighting him. He, he should wrap him up, try to clear his head. And it's like, no, nope. Matt Schell's like, that is not my style. I'm going to yeah. go for it. Yeah. It was, it was a fantastic fight. One heck of a fight. 
He's so tough. He's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, his legs weren't working for a while. He got wobbled, you know, I would say about at least four or five times and so tons of trouble. But, uh, you know, to come back and and get, uh, you know, get that choke, uh, you know, awesome. Oh, it was awesome. It was it was just great. And that we don't see that enough, in my opinion. You know, I, I can point to some incredible comeback fights and and, yeah. uh, you know, just too often a guy gets in a little bit of trouble and boom, they jump in, stop the fight, no more. Uh, this this really was great on Jacob Montalvo, giving them a chance. And, you know, I think this will go down as one of the best fights in UFC history. Oh, absolutely, man. Like, if, even when Sumo Darji was getting ground and pounded, his face beaten in, ref still didn't stop. Yeah. And then he reversed it anyways. You're just like, oh, my God. But then by that time, Chanel was slowly working in the triangle choke and then finally got up, right? But still. Great referee. That yeah, was a fantastic referee. Absolutely loved it. So great. Uh, okay, the other fight, too, uh, between Shane Burgos and Charles Air Jordan. Uh, hell of a great fight. Really loved it. Uh, obviously, you know, we're Canadian. We we do side with, uh, you know, some of the Canadian boys. And I love Jordan. Uh, what he can bring is just incredible. Uh, unfortunately, uh, really by... You know, slim margin, lost that first round. Uh, definitely lost the second round, but that third round had Burgos in so much trouble as well. Uh, Burgos is tough as nails and survived that that fight to uh, pull out the, the decision win. Um, Jordan, I, you know, I think he deserved a 10-8. Didn't get that knockdown, which would have, yeah. I think, solidified for sure that 10-8. I think one yeah. judge did give him a 10-8, but... Uh, but he needed it on all three judges to, you know, end up getting a draw. But um, that's the one tough part about MMA where a guy can squeak out, you know, just squeak out two of the rounds and the other guy can just absolutely dominate one of the rounds and almost finish it, but, but lose the fight in, in a decision. Yeah. And great fight, but Jordan had to know that obviously he was behind because Burgos backpacked him twice. Right. Jumped on his back, backpacked him in the first round and the second round. But also, too, Jordan is smart enough to know and his neck must have been killing him because those were hard neck cranks, by the way. Yeah. Super hard. But Jordan had to have known it's like that guy's legs are done. They are toast. Yeah. Time to turn it up, which he did. Almost got him, but just not enough. And Burgos is that tough. So, yeah. Yeah, Burgos is, uh, you know, definitely one of the toughest guys in in MMA, and um, yeah, pulled out the win. Uh, I I wouldn't hang your head though, uh, Charles. Uh, great performance, and I I loved it. Uh, you know, just you just needed to, yeah, just squeak out one of the other first two rounds, and and you had that. But um, uh, great third round, super fun to watch. Uh, the fight that kicked off the main card was the. Fight between Lauren Murphy and Misha Tate, two veterans of the sport. And um, this was a great battle. Uh, Lauren Murphy ended up pulling out the victory. Uh, Misha was getting one of her, uh, definitely had some damage to one of her eyes and it was closing. I think that affected her in a lot of ways. And um, I thought uh, Lauren was definitely the better fighter in this one. Most certainly. Um, Tate usually will go to her grappling at to, at some point in the fight against any of her fights. And she had, she did not have a grappling advantage against Lauren Murphy. She was able to 
like fight off all of those grappling attacks of Tate, neutralize them. And then also to Tate, I I noticed this in this fight. She didn't have very good head movement. Her head was like a sitting duck. It was a just a target. And Murphy teed off on that, you know, shut one of her eyes, uh, which uh, made it harder for her to continue the fight because she didn't see anything coming from that side of her face. Yeah. And yeah, man, uh, Murphy was just a step ahead for sure in this fight. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Uh, Murphy ended up calling out uh, uh, the winner between Andrade and uh, Fior, um, but uh, Andrade, uh, I heard, got hurt. So uh, Ch- Caitlin Chukagian is fighting there. So um, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's September 3rd, Chukagian and uh, Fior are fighting. Uh, I guess, um, yeah, she might get the winner of that one. Um, but, yeah, back to the drawing board for Misha. Uh, she, you know, really has her eyes set on I'm trying to get back up into that title picture, but takes a, a step back down the, the rankings uh, with that loss. So, uh, okay, featured prelim fight. Um, really big knockout from Puna. Uh, Puna Hale Soriano gets the the big KO. Uh, what'd you think about that one? Well, you had two super powerful combatants. I, I, I knew that this was not going to go to decision. I was just going to take uh, some sort of strike for one of these guys because they're, they, they're just such heavy hitters. Yeah. And especially Lungimbala, no man, Lungimbala, Bula, Lungimbula, and his leg kicks were crazy. Even Cormier was just like, look at that dude's thigh. Look at his leg. Look at the leg. My goodness. Yeah, like, when his yeah. shorts got tucked up a little bit, yeah, yeah. you could just see the meat yeah. of his thigh. And yeah. uh, holy cow, yeah, it was uh, hilarious. Once he pointed that out, you couldn't look really at anything else. It was just like, holy, yeah. Does he ever have a crazy looking thigh there? Yeah, no, he had quite, quite the ham hock for a thigh. And though in the second round, where he threw that quick leg kick, actually, very quick. Soriano blocked it and then came with the huge left, dropped him, and then boom, boom, while he had him flattened out, and it was over quick. Like, yeah, Soriano, you got to remember, that dude has power for days. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that was was a massive knockout, and uh, the Hawaiian just, uh, yeah, once he dropped him and just, Bam, bam, bam. Um, and and he just kept saying, 50K, baby, 50K, baby. And uh, he, he got one of the bonuses. Uh, huge. Um, Mergliotta d- saved <laughs> saved uh, Lungenbola. Yeah, yeah. 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 Saved him. and uh, But, yeah, really good victory by Puna. Um, okay, the bantamweight fight be- between Ricky Sh- Simone and Jack Shore. You mentioned last week is something that you were really excited about, and as, as so was I. Uh, and Ricky Simone uh, gave Jack Shore his first professional loss and uh, looked really, really spectacular in doing so. Uh, very amazing uh, submission win. And, um, yeah, this was a, another really great fight. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jack Shore um, took the loss, first one of his career. Yeah. Because Simone is just that good. He had a fantastic game plan against Jack Shore, which is don't give him any space. 
I'm just going to keep grappling you. Even if I can't get you to the ground, I'll push you up against the cage and win those and win those battles up against the cage, which is what he did the entire time. Yeah. Like, and also too, when he did dart in and have his like combination shots, they were fast. Yeah. I was actually very impressed with his speed, with his punches that he was throwing. And so, and then eventually when he, when he hit him, took him down to the ground with that huge slam that he had in the second round, yeah. massive slam, then it gets the arm triangle finish. I was, I was just impressed with his all around game. The fight plan that they had for Jack Shore was perfect and he executed it perfectly. Yeah, man, it was it was nice. Um, he's on a five fight winning streak. Um, called out Sean O'Malley. Uh, he said the Sugar Show's over. I'm the <laughs> sweetest thing in this division, and he just walked off, dropped the mic, and uh, that was over. Uh, pretty cool call out. And uh, I think a lot of guys want to take on O'Malley. Um, yeah, Simone's uh, thirteenth uh, in the division. Uh, definitely, O'Malley has asked for guys a little bit higher in the division if they pay him well um this that would be a hell of a fight i think i think that would be a great fight i think that'd be a great fight if he doesn't do the rematch with the other guy with uh munoz if they don't do that then they should definitely give him this guy that's a good fight simone yeah very fun yeah um okay uh senior perfecto uh was in a lot of trouble against herbert burns but uh, Bill Algio ended up uh, getting the victory and, uh, yeah, got a big knockout uh, second round. Uh, Burns seemed to really get tired out uh, pretty damn fast and, um, yeah, was unable to get that finish. And then that just seemed like he was just done. Yeah. No, he was he was super done. Like he, like, he was massively, massively done. Like, I'm, I'm looking at it from the first round where he almost gets the triangle choke, right? Almost gets him. At the same time, I'm like, how is Algio, how is he fighting that off? Because that triangle choke was in there for a long time. Long time. time. And then after it was done, then Burns just seemed like he had nothing left. That was it. Like, he burned him out. But apparently, though, um, he suffered a knee knee injury from that fight. And so he re-injured the knee that he had surgery on. And again, that's what we were talking about with Ortega. If yeah. you rush back and you're not ready, you're just going to hurt yourself again. You're going to cost yourself money, and then you're going to be on the shelf for a lot longer. So maybe he took this fight and didn't give himself long enough to heal because he hurt himself. Yeah, yeah, it was Yeah, it was too bad. Um, yeah, he, he definitely burned himself out, and, um, yeah, unfortunately has that injury too that uh, – it had re-aggravated it too so um yeah you know gilbert was there and uh you know giving him as much advice as he could but uh when you you know when you got a pre-existing injury and and it flares up again uh, there's nothing really that you can do so uh and the call out by algio was chase hooper um he was pretty angry and yelled that out uh, wants to uh uh i don't know what he called him but Something, something not very nice, and uh, not yeah, <laughs> Chase Hooper, um, another guy that's one of those guys that you're surprised at how tough it is. He's super skinny, young, um, but um, yeah, sometimes uh, careful what you call out and what you ask for. Yeah, careful what you wish for because now that's like, oh, now I'm coming, I'm coming. I just won mine, 
This is yeah. going to be good. Yeah. Big, big fight, though, if they make it. Um, Dustin Jacoby, uh, great to see him get the big knockout victory. Um, I can't believe how powerful and big uh, Jung Daun is. Uh, man, he doesn't look like he could make that middleweight. Uh, uh, no, that, that light heavyweight um, uh, weight uh, cut. Uh, it looks like he's just massive. But uh, Jacoby, uh, in his second um, time in the UFC, is really looking great. And I, I was very impressed with the, the big walk-off KO there. Oh, yeah, I was, I was super impressed. He got that in the, in the first round. But Jung did look huge. Compared yeah. to Jacoby, I was just like, oh, okay. But didn't seem to bother Jacoby none. So he's just like, oh, I'll just take you out like I normally would have anyways, which is exactly what he did. Yeah. He was left, walk-off KO. Um, although it was funny, in the post-fight interview, he did say, it's like, oh, I like his, his, his corner was like, go back in there and finish him. He's like, oh, it's not done yet? Oh, no, wait, it is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he walked away and then the- – I think the referee was kind of unsure what to do. And then I think that was Kevin McDonald again. We mentioned him yeah. earlier. Uh, yeah. And then the corner's like, hey, no, he's not done. He's not done. And then, yeah. then McDonald's like, yeah, no, he's done. He's done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny here because he had just walked away. And uh, yeah, he's lucky that Daun uh, was damaged enough that he didn't get back up. And, and <laughs> it was. Funny. Um, he called out uh, Daniel Cormier to say he's going to kick him on his butt on the golf course. <laughs> we'll see uh, what happens there. You don't usually hear um, golfing call outs in the uh, UFC. Um, Dustin Jacoby, I, I saw an interview with him as well today. Uh, man, I like this guy. I really, really think he's fun. Uh, he talked about being in the UFC as a young guy. Uh, got cut, uh, decided to go into glory kickboxing, uh, ended up um, moving himself up the ranks and got a title shot, didn't win the title, decided to uh, get back into MMA and uh, had to go the Dana White Contender Series route. He said it was really weird. I had to check my ego because, you know, I had been there already. I had a lot of fights on my resume. A lot of the guys that I was fighting were 2-0, and 3-0, and they're trying to become contenders, uh, got back in the UFC. Now he's on a seven-fight win streak, nine-fight unbeaten streak, and uh, really becoming uh, somebody to look out for in this division, a uh, ranked fighter, and, um, yeah, just really, really doing doing great in this second coming of, of his career. Yeah. yeah, and also, too, like, I, I think, you know, with uh, experience breeds wisdom, and I think he's just wiser this this time around, this go around in the UFC. Yeah. Like he's just better, and he gets it. He understands what he needs to do, where his real strengths lie, where his weaknesses are, which he's trying to shore up to properly to the best of his ability. But yeah, he, he's on a, he's on this fight winning streak for wit for a reason, for a real mm-hmm. reason. He uh, he said that uh, he had a in mind a, a football career he went to college four years uh, as a football player um he has a twin brother who was a fighter he said uh, i was never a fighter growing up my twin brother was a snap show he would just uh, get angry when we were out and he would just fight on the street and bars wherever they were all the time and he said i never was and then suddenly my brother called me up and said uh, 
I got a fight this uh, Saturday. And he goes, what do you mean? How are you scheduling a fight? <laughs> he goes, uh, yeah, I'm uh, in this mixed martial arts promotion. And I got this fight on Saturday. And he goes, really? He's like, what is, what's, what's MMA? What's that even mean? And he said he didn't even know. He was 20 years old, never even heard of mixed martial arts, never heard of the UFC, never heard of anything. Uh, went to his brother's fight, brother won. And uh, he said, yeah, I thought, oh, I could kick these guys' butts. And, and he went in uh, a few months later at his first fight. And, uh, yeah, the rest is history. That's only, I think he got into MMA about 12 years ago and uh, had a great MMA, has had a great MMA career, great kickboxing career, and uh, didn't know anything about fighting until he was 20 years old. Which is amazing. It's just amazing. Like, that. that's actually how high his aptitude for the fight game is that he came in that old and has been able to transfer that into a very successful career yeah he the other funny story that he told was uh that first fight that he had he uh, KO'd the guy in 55 seconds and uh, he said it was it was great uh he couldn't believe the uh amazing feeling he got the explosion of the of the crowd going in and, and as it's going, he said 55 seconds, all of a sudden I hear just so much of a roar. And then I just knocked the guy out so severely that nobody made a sound in the arena. It was just all of a sudden, just zero, zero, zero sound, except the guy's wife who was just bawling. <laughs> and it turned out this guy was a owner of a pizza place. And uh, he said that, he ordered a pizza a couple days later and the guy <laughs> was about to send out his delivery guy. And he goes, Hey, I think I know that guy. I'm going to deliver the pizza to him. And he showed up at his place and said, Hey, uh, here's your pie. I'm the guy that you KO'd the other night. <laughs> they ended up having a big laugh about it. And he's like, you're delivering pizzas. That's your job. He goes, well, I own the place. <laughs> I saw your name and decided I would, personally deliver it and say way to go good ko on me man oh that's awesome that's awesome that's a great story and also too that that's that, that's that's him being a good sport about it yeah you know, so that's cool yeah very neat very cool yeah it was a super fun interview i really i really like this guy can't wait to see him more and, and dig into him a bit more uh yeah well, great personality and good fighter man he's uh he's on a meteoric rise here and the light heavyweight division. Look out! Look out! Jacoby's coming. Um, talk about the uh, the fight between Dustin Solsfus and Dwight the Body Snatcher Grant. Uh, Solsfus gets the big decision. Uh, the the German there um, looked great, and um, yeah, got another big victory under his belt. Yeah, uh, Grant actually Grant had really good movement, um, and also too like he, he he did great with the countering, but eventually Solsfus was just kind of slowly closing distance, closing distance until finally when he could get his hands on him, then that's where his advantage really showed in the grappling. Like Grant had nothing for him in the grappling contest at all. No. That's how he won the fight. And then when he was able to control him on the ground, especially super impressive in the third where he wobbled him and I believe slammed him, picked him up, walked him to the middle of the cage. Boom. And yeah. that was it. That, that was it. Yeah. That was a massive, massive slam. And uh, yeah, he uh, 
kept control, just, uh, you know, was able to, to fight him and, yeah, really, um, yeah, once, uh, once he, you know, started that grappling, tell that that was a big advantage and he was going to be able to take that fight. Um, and the fight that kicked off the, the card uh, on the prelims, uh, we saw the debut of Emily Ducati against Jessica Penne. Uh, Penne's been around for a long time. Ducati was making her UFC debut and uh, got a big decision victory. Uh, I was really impressed. Great leg kicks by her. Uh, good takedown defense. And um, yeah, nice uh, nice to see a new girl come in and, and actually you know do so well against uh, such an experienced veteran in Penne. Oh, yeah. No, she, she did fantastic. Um, I was super impressed with Ducati with her accuracy and her efficiency and her strikes. But more, more importantly, those calf kicks, boy, I, I, I have no idea why Penny wasn't starting to check those earlier. Yeah. Because eventually, I didn't think she was even going to be able to continue on with the fight in the third round. It almost looked like she couldn't even stand on it. You know, like oh. she managed to get it back somewhat a little bit. But it was it was pretty close to being stopped right then and there. But Penny showed her exceptional toughness, was able to finish the fight. But yeah, super impressed with Ducati. Great game plan. Great way to ch- chop her legs out from underneath her to get that win. Yeah, holy cow! Um, it looked like uh, yeah, she was in, starting to become in a lot of pain and started to limp badly on the the one leg and and was just having a hop on one leg for a bit till that that pain went away. But um, yeah, uh, look out. Uh, Ducati's coming. Um, yeah, great card. And uh, all in all, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know why they had it so early, but uh, I got it out of the way with. I, I I did watch it live and just decided to get it done and, and out of the way with. And uh, yeah, there was a ton of great fights on it. Um, I, I really was happy they went to Long Island and, and fought in that new arena. And um, yeah, the, the crowd was awesome. Lots of energy and a lot of really good battles. Oh, yeah. No, great crowd, great energy, especially considering how early the fights were on, which is kind of amazing. But, yeah, fights were great. And uh, looking forward to this next set of fights. That I believe this next set in England, right? It is, yeah. Back in the uh, yeah, jolly old England. And it's also uh, really early. Uh, the prelims uh, start at 8 again. Uh, main cards 11 a.m. Pacific time. Um, uh, obviously, uh, 11 for the prelims and uh, two o'clock for the main card on the East Coast. If you're watching there, but um, the the last card that they had in England, uh, one of my favorite cards of the year. Uh, couldn't mm-hmm. believe the energy and the absolute massive, massive, massive fan support there. Uh, this is going to be just as great or even better because uh, we get to see all those. Same guys that uh, were the stars of the show on that last card, and um, yeah, the heavyweight battle between Aspinall and Blades. Um, I'm I'm really stoked for this one. Yeah, I am very stoked for this one because Blades is definitely going to try to slam Aspinall to the ground. Aspinall knows this is going to happen, so his takedown defense has to be on point. It absolutely has to be on point. Yeah. Or also too, he's probably going to be practicing doing those uppercuts or knees, anything to deter Blades from doing those shots all the time. It's a great matchup. Very, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see who wins. I don't think this one goes to decision, by the way. 
I think I think this it ends before it, you know, we get to the end. Yeah. That's- yeah, totally. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I would be shocked if uh this uh yeah doesn't end quite early. I think these guys are both super tough and two of the best heavyweight fighters on the planet. So um you know, the as I said, uh, we've got some really great guys on the card. We get to see Patty Pimblett again. We got to see Molly Meatball McCann, Paul Craig. Um, my God, uh, this this card is super stacked, and and it's so great that they they get two cards so close together. Uh, Dana Dana really honored his word and said uh, this was uh, one of my favorite cards ever. Uh, we're going to come back soon, and uh, they are back. No, no, he kept his word. They are back, and he put together another great fight card for sure. Like Even like um, the co-main with Jack Manson, Chris Curtis, those couldn't be two different fighters. Yeah. They're so different in their approach. And again, great matchup, great matchmaking for that particular fight. I'm also very much looking forward to even the Vulcan Ozdemir paul Craig fight. Yeah. Vulcan Ozdemir has to know this. Don't go to the ground with that guy or I'm going to lose something that's very valuable to me. Either it might be a leg, a knee, an arm, something that I need for my day to day. So I just won't do it. I will not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, We get to see Alexander Gustafson against Nikita Krylov. Uh, That's awesome. Gustafson's one of the best light heavyweight fighters in the world. Uh, It'd be awesome to see him. Uh, We get Mark DeCasey. We get... uh, Mr. Finland, Mokwan Amir Khani fighting. Um, yeah, just on and on and on. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be great. And uh, yeah, as I said, uh, a nice early one, get it done with, and then you can get back to drinking like you always do on Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's not really gonna happen anymore. Um, probably just gonna take a break, you know, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll, uh, I'll text you on on Saturday. Make sure you're, uh, yeah, you're not my book. You're not getting that FOMO that really comes over you on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah. You're actually just reading. Yeah, no, no, you you phone. I'll be reading. Okay. I'll tell you that much. Okay, nice. I love it. A um, couple of quick notes I want to mention uh, before we move on. Um, uh frankie edgar has decided um he wants to have the usc give him one last fight uh he wants to retire uh he has asked for the ufc to give him dominic cruz as his next opponent uh, for his retirement fight Um, dominic cruz is scheduled to fight um marlon chido vera coming up in a couple weeks um, but um, Frankie wants to, um, yeah, have one last kick at the can. He said uh, uh, he's been thinking about it after being knocked out pretty severely last couple fights, and he, he uh, would like to just go out with this one last fight. He said when he was the champ, Dominic Cruz was the champ in the other division. Uh, he always thought it'd be great to challenge himself against them. Uh, they now fight in the, the same division, and um, yeah. I, I would really look forward to that fight. I hope the UFC is able to put that together. I think they will. And I don't think Dominic Cruz would turn it down. I think he has great respect for Frankie Edgar. And he'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's make it happen. As long as he doesn't suffer any serious injuries against uh, Marlon Barra when they fight. Yeah, they're definitely going to make that happen for sure. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I've always been super impressed with Frankie Edgar. What a, an amazing career he's had. Uh, you know, just got so much out of uh, his fighting career. Uh, some of the most epic fights ever witnessed. Uh, Frankie going in. Uh, he came in the underdog on many occasions and shocked the world and was able to get huge victories. And uh, yeah, I think next stop Hall of Fame for him. Uh, what a what an impressive impressive. Uh, fight career oh yeah a very impressive fight career he's done so much in the sport for the sport uh he's got nothing to hang his head about i i say that he's definitely a future hall of famer nice nice um one last note um they did make the fight between charles Oliveira and islam makachev for the belt and um there uh Oliveira got his belt taken away. Uh, they um, have decided that Makashev will be the next opponent for him. This will go down October 22nd. Uh, something to seriously look forward to. Um, I think uh, Oliveira, uh, yeah, might might have a lot of trouble with Makashev, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, this is going to be fun to watch. It's going to be great, great to watch, man. Not a given that Oliveira can beat him. This, I, I say this, to me, that fight is literally a toss-up. I have no idea who's going to win that fight, but it's going to be a barn burner. And you know this, Oliveira can come back. He can come back and he's shown it time and time again. So yeah. it's going to be a great fight. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be amazing, yeah. Um, just a uh, quick uh, NBA note. Um, Lots of talk about uh, James Harden and how um, poor his career arc is starting to go down. Uh, he has said that he's uh, he had a lot of um, injury troubles last year that he didn't make uh, public. Uh, he said he's healthy now. He wants to return to the top of the game. He went to the uh, 76ers management and said, um, do not worry about my contract status. Uh, he turned down his player option that was going to pay him $47 million. Turn that down. He said, I want you to uh, build this team, bring in a ton of guys, make sure we've got depth at every position, and then pay me whatever you can fit into that salary cap. So he's taken a huge pay cut and has uh, you know, suddenly uh, rededicated himself, he says, and um, he wants to run after a title. He said nothing else matters to him but a title shot now and, and going for it. And he said, um, yeah, he wanted uh, them to yeah, have the money they needed to uh, really solidify the lineup and make it deep like they needed to. That's surprising because of like just how he's been acting for the previous couple of years. That's surprising. That surprises me. Like, it's like, wow, you do you care about winning? Question mark. Well, I guess question has been checked off. It's been answered. He does care about winning. Um, so I guess the, I guess with him rededicating himself to his team and the sport of basketball, I can imagine he's going to come into shape yeah. in training camp. He's actually going to come into shape. Yeah. Wow. First off, I love the words. I love the, the emotion behind the words and what he meant, but I still have to see it. Yeah. I still got to see it. 
See it to believe it, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, because he hasn't been uh, able to dedicate himself as much as we wanted to uh, recently. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, still lots of talk about what the Lakers are going to do, what the Nets are going to do. Those two teams went into last year, the oldest two teams in the league, and they both imploded, had terrible years. Uh, the Lakers are still pretty intact. The Nets have splintered off. Uh, nobody knows what's happening with Kyrie and KD and, and everything, but um, there's still a ton of rumors that uh, Kyrie's landing place will be with the Lakers. They're trying to get a third team interested in Westbrook. He can uh, go somewhere, but uh, nobody really wants to take on Westbrook's salary, especially where he stands now, how he just will refuse to, you know, change his game to, to fit, uh, you know, what's needed. Um, so I don't know how this is going to play out, but uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised it's dragging on and on through the free agency period so long. And um, yeah, we still don't have any clarity what's going to happen. Well, I, I, I think the Nets are just like, we have to have some value coming back to us, especially if we're going to trade Kevin Durant, number one. And then also to number two, if you want us to take on Westbrook, I think they want they want picks from L.A. And L.A. is like, no, we only gave you a certain number of picks. And they're like, well, we need more, right? Because then we have to take on his enormous contract. So, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be worked out between the two teams if they go that route. And then also, too, like I said, like the Nets are just looking for their best value deals that they can make. Kind of like how Danny Ainge, who's a master at doing this stuff, got the most out of trading Rudy Gobert yeah. to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. If you can do something like that, I think the Nets would be very happy. Yeah, geez, yeah, the the I couldn't believe how much how much they got for Gobert. It was incredible, yeah. and um, yeah, it would be amazing. And you know, Kevin Durant, uh, you know, so much better. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, guys that are much better than Rudy Gobert out there. And uh, for the Kings' ransom they got, uh, you know, what are, what are these guys worth now? If you can get. That for Gobert, what can he get for you know some of these other huge pieces? Exactly, right? And so the Nets are looking at that, looking at that, probably that trade in particular, being like, well, we actually have Kevin Durant, though. So, yeah, I think we're going to need more. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, yeah. Uh, the home run derby is over. Juan Soto uh, has won. Uh, he beat Julio Rodriguez in the final. Uh, so now he's going to ask for 440, how much million? I don't know what he's going <laughs> to garner now. Uh, they give him a huge chain around the neck, uh, all-star game MVP. Uh, he was pretty damn happy. And uh, But, yeah, I, I guess uh, we're going to hear in the coming weeks, uh, you know, trade, trade rumors going for Juan Soto and where he's going to go. Uh, yeah, he might be the first guy to sign – something that's uh, over half a billion dollars. It might be, uh, you know, something that's just blowing our minds. That's when he'll say, now I have enough. Kids, I'm coming home with food. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. I, 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 hope they, I hope he does some viral videos of that. And <laughs> we'll be able to. We able to put that up on the podcast all the time. Press that button. Food coming. Food's coming. Food's coming. Yeah. Food's coming. 
I got kids to feed. <laughs> Food's coming. <laughs> oh, man, so funny. Uh, there's a special on tonight. Uh, it starts tonight. I think it's a seven-part series. It's on the captain, Derek Jeter, uh, former New York Yankee. Uh, it's created by the same guys that did the last dance documentary about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls uh, run to their final championship. Uh, I, I suspect it's going to be just as good or even better than that Michael Jordan documentary that uh, really, you know, lit up the sports world uh, when it was released. Uh, first first uh, episode goes tonight. Uh, ESPN in the U.S. and TSN here in Canada. Uh, do yourself a favor. Watch it. PVR it. Um, check it out online. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, if it's the same guys that made the last dance, how could it not be awesome? Yeah. Honestly, how could it not be? Totally. Yeah, I'm so glad it's it's shown here. I thought it was going to be on some platform that I don't have. You know, I've got seeming to, you know, get more and more platforms all the time. And I always ask people, hey, have you seen this? Uh, what's, what platform is that on? Oh, the, oh, I don't got that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. just so often these days. But this one, yeah. boom, they're showing on ESPN, TSN locally here. Uh, so excited. Uh, can't, can't wait to watch it all. Well, now that I know about it, I'll be PBRing it for sure, because uh, those guys don't do a misstep. If it, anything is even comes close to the last dance, I definitely want to see it. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Well, uh, that was fun. That was awesome. Uh, as I said, dog days of summer, but uh, yeah, still great to talk to the UFC and uh, an early card this past weekend early card next weekend too and uh, we're going to be able to break it down as great as always uh, a week from tonight yeah i'm looking forward to that looking forward to that looking forward to getting yet another ufc under the belt early yeah. and uh yeah it, it's going to be great it's going to be great to watch man enjoy your book on saturday thank you so much and i will enjoy my book after i watch the ufc thank you nice. all right okay. we'll talk again soon okay have a great week take care bye for now all right bye Okay, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, fun as always. And um, yeah, a lot of great insight into that UFC card and a few other things. Uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. It was fun. I appreciate it as always. And also, uh, before we uh, move on, I want to thank our partners and sponsors. Anchor.fm, the uh, easiest place to make a podcast and absolutely phenomenal on posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company, first in technology, leadership, and value. And the V350 stick is a must-have for any hockey player in your midst. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities, uh, they've got uh, really great pretty things, West Coast vibes that can spruce up your home. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company for health and beauty products. Go to our website, completesportsmedia.com, and you can get discounted rates on anything that you want to purchase there. So uh, thank you so much to everyone that supports this. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, um, take care of yourself. Have a really great week ahead. Can't wait to see you soon. Take care. Bye for now. <laughs>